everybody, it's Allie, and welcome to our YNR chat for Sunday, March 11th, 2018. Top headline of the Genoa City Nightly News, Madame Dina Mergeron found on a dirty public park bench in London. Ugh! I just feel so much for what the Abbott family is going through. Jack and Ashley were worried sick not knowing where she was at the end of last week's show. She could have been anywhere in Europe, lost, confused, and the emotional roller coaster that the family is going through has got to be one of the worst parts of the disease. Um, it's something that I don't have a lot of personal experience with, but I'm hearing the story through Jack and Ashley and Tracy recounting it, and a lot of you guys recounting it for me, and I was especially taken with the idea that there is this role reversal when you have a parent with Alzheimer's, that now the children are becoming the parents, and that's a very real dynamic. Jack even made a comment of at least when you are raising children, there's a natural progression of things. Things go through stages, but when you have a parent or a loved one who has Alzheimer's, you really don't know what's going to happen next. And that really is where we are with Dina. We don't know what is going to happen next. We, as the audience, I think, are stuck in that same spot that the family is, just kind of waiting to see where the roller coaster takes us. Luckily, for Dina, somebody in London spotted her, knew she needed help, ushered her to safety. Jack is able to uh, get, become contacted. He flies to Europe immediately to pick Dina up and bring her back to Genoa City with Abby tagging along on the private jet looking very pretty in pink as she makes her return to Genoa City. The actress having just returned from her very short maternity leave, right? She wasn't even gone very long. Mayanar did a very good job of still uh, incorporating that character even though she went off on her maternity leave, the actress. She was positively glowing. She looked absolutely gorgeous loved the hair, loved the clothes. Uh, I thought she uh, she looked lovely. She looked happy. Dina looked lovely. She looked happy to be home at first when she got there. And then as uh, it really didn't take very much time at all, as the episode, I think it was on Thursday, progressed, it was clear that Dina is still progressing. In some ways, Dina seems even worse than before. It's Difficult especially to watch how she's reacting to Ashley. When she left, it seemed like Dina had the most clarity around her relationship with Ashley. She knew who Ashley was. She understood the history that they had together and the animosity. And now when Dina looks at Ashley, she's having a particularly vicious reaction to her, perhaps knowing instinctively that something's not right between 
between them and projecting it out, but she's just really seeing Ashley as the enemy in this world that she has in her mind that she blips in and out of, but she thinks that Ashley has stolen her purse and she's treating Ashley like a thief. And then when Ashley has a private moment alone to sit down with her for a meal, she thinks all of a sudden that Ashley is trying to poison her. Uh, it was, it was, it literally just, it, it ripped my heart out of my chest and wrung it into a million pieces and threw it all over the floor. I mean, just as Dina was, you know, ripping apart that bread roll, Mrs. Martinez's home fresh baked bread roll, she's ripping it apart, looking for some evidence of poisoning. It was like doing the same thing to my heart. My heart was Mrs. Martinez's bread roll. <laughs> oh, I mean, just like looking for poison there. Then Ashley offers her some medication to help balance her a little bit. And Dina cringes away, assuming that's more poisoning. And she takes a bottle of, of Perrier and smashes it on the floor and is begging Ashley to just not hurt her. Please don't hurt me. Please don't hurt me. And Ashley, not knowing what to do, not knowing what to say, just, I would never hurt you. I love you. I, Mother, I would never hurt you. Ah! I mean, the whole family I feel sorry for, but Ashley in that moment, with everything else that she's going through, I felt terrible. It has made me sad. It has made me cry watching that. I'm sure that these are all very real symptoms of the disease. We have to remember this is being written by someone who has gone through this. Mal Young experienced this with his own mother, and I'm sure that a lot of families, perhaps even you, have had to deal with, you know, cope with this difficult situation. I... From a, a purely from a storyline perspective, though, was selfishly hoping there would be some type of improvement because I love the character so much and it's hard to electively go through this when you don't have to. It leaves me with a burning question, I suppose, of just, you know, where do we go from here? Because in a way, it seems like Dina is now pigeonholed. I, I, I'm not sure if giving her a miracle cure would have been a disservice to the millions of people who are going through this, uh, either directly or with a loved one. But it feels like we have so you know such limited options now as far as to what to do with Dina from a writing perspective. And I thought that that might make an intriguing poll question for us this week. Pretend you're the writer or, you know, you know, take your, put yourself in those shoes. What type of story do you want to see for Dina Mergeron here in the new, near future? I mean, th there are a limited number of paths. It really would have to be either a, a miracle cure slash improvement, even though that is in and of itself probably not realistic. I don't don't know that Alzheimer's patients really do show a lot of signs of improvement, and they cer certainly don't get cured of it at this point in time, anyway. Or um, are you? Would you like to continue to see the Abbott family cope with Alzheimer's? Is you know, is is what we saw this week something that you would like to continue to see, exploring those dynamics of the family, or are you thinking maybe it's time to quietly usher Dina off the canvas? 
kiss and say goodbye to her? What would you do if you were the writers? What do you want to see as a viewer? If you'd like to go to yrchat.com, I would like to read your comments and see how you vote in that poll. What do you want to see for her in the near future? I ha- am leaving this poll open with, um, I normally don't do this, but I, I thought that I would allow you guys to get a little bit creative and what what you would do with Dina's character if you were the writer. So when you go to the website, there is a little box where if you don't like any of those options, then you can write in your own option. If you have some other ideas for what YNR could do with the character of Dina from from here, I will um, you know pick the best ones, read those out, uh, and and we'll talk about them next week. Which which road do you want to see, and ultimately which road do you think that YNR will choose to go down? You win round one, Victoria, but I'm afraid round two might result in Victoria hitting the mat, TKO. She thinks that by working with Jack to frame Ashley for corporate espionage, that she can get Ashley fired and reclaim control over her little slice of Newman Enterprises and also secure her future spot as the heir to the throne of Newman Enterprises. But Victoria doesn't quite have the killer instinct to pull this complex plan off. It's so much more Jack's speed. It doesn't really sound like something Victoria would do. She's definitely in over her head here. There was a fairly easily followed paper trail right back to Victoria and Jack, courtesy of Jack. I'm sorry, but I I don't think Jack ever really cared if Victoria got caught, so he's not worried about covering her tracks. He stashed Ashley's watermarked documents in his desk drawer, then leaves his office wide open for them to be found. Victoria sends JT in on a secret spy mission to break into Jack's office to find out how Jack could have learned about this whole Newman acquisition thing that's gone on, knowing full well how Jack got the documents because she gave them to him. <laughs> what was that MacGyver move that JT pulled with the Dr. Scholl's foot powder? <laughs> she like, Jack's desk drawer apparently has a fingerprint authentication. Uh, Jack has to physically put his thumbprint or something on the drawer in order to open it up. And JT gets in there, realizes that this is a problem for getting to Jack's locked drawers. So he scans the room, picks up on the fact that Jack has a gym bag stashed over in the corner. He ruffles through Jack's (laughs) gym bag, finds some foot powder or jock powder. I don't know what <laughs> what the heck it was? But he takes that. Thank goodness that was there. He takes that over to Jack's telephone, sprinkles some of the powder on the telephone, uses a piece of tape, and then lifts one of Jack's fingerprints up off of the phone from there and uses that to open up <laughs> the desk drawer. Like, damn, JT! How is this guy ever unemployed? He should be working at the CIA. <laughs>
JT brings his findings back to Victoria and to Victor, and he's all proud of himself, of course. Victoria is all impressed with him, even though she she knew. You know, she's really uh, stroking his eagle, like, wow, you found this. She's being uh, very complimentary toward him, and then is talking to Victor, very happily showing him this evidence that Ashley has betrayed him, because Victoria thinks that Victor is going to fire Ashley now. It's the smoking gun. Ashley's filtering Newman secrets off to her brother Jack at Chabot. All of this is going down. Ashley doesn't even know about it yet. She knows nothing about this. Victor says something passive-aggressive to her in passing in the break room one day. Something like, you got anything to hide, Ashley? And, and then he walks away. It was enough of an odd comment to make Ashley want to follow up. She approaches Victor saying, what was that comment about? Why did you say that? And Victor comes out and asks her flatly, how it's possible that her brother got a hold of her watermarked documents. Well, Ashley knew immediately what had happened. No surprise here. The chain of possession on those documents was Ashley to Victoria to Jack. It's kind of obvious. She tells Victor that she had nothing to do with it. What he really needs to do is have his eye on his daughter. She's been telling Victor since day one that Victoria has had it out for her. It's no secret these two women wanted each other out. Everybody's told Victor that. I mean, Victor's had more than one person alert him to the trouble in the company, and it's kind of obvious now that Ashley's been framed up for this. I I have a really strong feeling that Victor believed Ashley. I think that Victor knows Victoria was behind all of this and he was just choosing to protect her. He turns around and fires JT, or so I shouldn't say fired. He removes his CIA level, you know, CIA skill level head of security JT from this specific project. JT no longer needs to investigate this whole espionage situation. Kind of a bad idea when he actually needed someone qualified to actually investigate this. Because whoever ended up doing Victor's investigating after Victor removed JT did a really bad job because Victor ends up taking Victoria's side, saying he believes that Ashley was the one behind it, and he fires Ashley. Oh, I, I do think that at this very moment, Ashley is a shining, shining example of someone who has gotten the short end of the stick. It is true that Ashley antagonized Victoria, but I don't think that makes it right for Victoria and f for Jack to turn around and team up and frame Ashley and go out of their way to not only ruin her career, but at that 
is would ruin her reputation if the business world found out that she was behind this. The, the, the fact that Victoria was involved is so incredibly obvious to anybody who's looking at it. Victoria is the one who benefits from Ashley getting fired. And Jack is not even really doing that great of a job of hiding that he was involved. First of all, it seemed like he couldn't hardly even look Ashley in the eye when she confronted him. He played it off like he was surprised about it, but she knew and was not convinced by his fake surprise. She she knows he's behind it. And then there's the literal fact that Jack did not even cover his tracks. He left the security logs for his office intact. He left an itemized <laughs> cell phone bill readily available in the Abbott living room. Like, chock full. The whole thing was chock full of phone calls from Victoria. Who even has an itemized cell phone bill anymore? Like, that was way too convenient. This isn't 1999 for crying out loud. Jack Abbott probably makes a hundred phone calls a day to various people. So was he not even trying to not get caught? I don't know. But Abby, back in town, back at Newman Enterprises, realizing that her mother has been fired just as she's trying to get back into the fold. So Abby takes it upon herself to discover that whole paper trail and bust it all out. She takes it straight to Victor. That was our Friday cliffhanger. And I really think that Victor already knows all about it. I also think that he's on to JT. He knows that he knows his daughter well enough, right? He knows who she is. I'm sure that when he looks in Victoria's eyes, Victor can see very easily that she's lying. Maybe even Victor even knows that Victoria is in trouble in this relationship with JT. Victor has been warning Victoria against getting involved with JT since the very first time he found out about it. So he'd have to be a moron not to realize how much JT hates him. JT can barely contain himself every time Victor is in the room. So, I mean, I'm going to imagine that Victor has got to see what's going on here. Victor and JT even had another encounter in the break room where JT was defending Victoria to his credit. But as soon as JT walked out of the room, Victor made a little secret phone call to someone. I think he's having JT tailed. I think Victor is just biding time and sacrificing Ashley to save Victoria from herself and hopefully, who knows, even maybe save her from this wackadoo, unhealthy dupe of a relationship that she's in. JT burrows his way deeper and deeper into Victoria's brain every single day, every single episode. He is making her question even the most basic things about herself, like asking her to go see a nutritionist. In fact, going so far as to call this nutritionist, picking apart how she eats even 
it's so disgusting. He's just making her question herself, and it's working. Victoria, even in that little instance, is now eating like a bird. She goes out to breakfast with Nikki, and she orders a tiny little bowl of fruit salad. When you know she wanted that fiesta plate that Nikki had no problem ordering. That is sickening. Mm. He's also the one that planted the seed a week, two weeks ago, about other employees at the company talking behind Victoria's back. It got in her head enough that she decided to set up this anonymous feedback website thing for employees of Newman Enterprises to air their issues, have them seen by management, and unfortunately for Victoria, the results are not exactly positive for her. The the reviews are really critical, not only of Victoria's management style, but even at, like, on her as a person, saying that Victoria is cold and abrasive. Victoria Newman? Cold and abrasive? Surely you are not talking about Victoria Newman. You must be talking about that Victoria in accounting. I mean, it's like, how can Victoria not realize that she comes off as cold and abrasive? But seeing that about yourself has to hurt. She now thinks people hate her. Like, she's surrounded by enemies that hate her. And I know that Victoria did the wrong thing by Ashley, but it made me feel really, really sorry for her. I think it's a, it's a, that's a horrible feeling. Nobody wants to be unpopular. And here she is, um, finding herself in that situation. I just think that Victoria has no self-awareness. She's like a, a, a robot. She's like a little mini Victor robot. And if you think about the situation that she's grown up in, I mean, Victor groomed her to be his little mini business robot. So I just think she's been conditioned and she, she doesn't really know how she comes off. Plus, I would not be a bit surprised if it was JT who ended up submitting a bunch of those comments just so that he could again establish himself as the only one Victoria can trust while everybody else in the company hates her. Because out of the one side of his mouth, he's positioning himself as her hero, her protector, the only one who's helping her. And out of the other side of his mouth, he's insulting her. He said to her this week, you're not even a real CEO. You're you're always going to be daddy's girl. You're never going to be a real CEO. That was below the belt. I mean, that comment right there was designed to hit like a, a missile in exactly the the right insecure spot in Victoria's mind. Who says that to someone that they love? I just think it that comment, you're always going to be daddy's girl and not a real CEO. To me, that either has to be one of two things. It either has to be JT accidentally letting out how he really, really feels, or it was designed to make her question her capabilities as a CEO. Victoria comes up with a brilliant plan of action to counteract people's negative opinions about her. Donuts! <laughs> oh, it was 
most painful. It was the most painful that I think a box of donuts has ever, ever been. <laughs> she calls this impromptu employee meeting with on-the-surface intentions of improving the workplace and making everybody feel welcome, and it was a total disaster. She ends up denying a vacation day that Lily had pre-approved with HR forces Lily to stay for this meeting, which, let's face it, the real motive behind the meeting was Victoria wanting to save face. She thinks that she's going to give people donuts and call meetings and, like, you know, get them to like her. That's her intention. And trying to get in and in trying to get people to like her ends up really ticking off Lily. I mean, it was obvious that Ashley hated Victoria, but now it's like Victoria's attempts to smooth things over only create more enemies for her. Ashley crashes the meeting. She is like a party crasher. She is. She takes Victoria's little intention and she spins it into some really juicy drama in front of everyone saying, oh, Victoria, oh, you want to call this meeting because you want honesty from us employees. Well, let me give you some honesty. I personally think that you make questionable decisions as a CEO. Let me tell you, I think the fact that you hired your boy boyfriend to be the head of security security is a little bit inappropriate. What do you think about that? <laughs> Victoria lost it. I mean, she she did her best to try to, you know, turn it around and try to focus on maybe some something else. Like, I'm going to try to steer this conversation in a different direction. It's Ashley who's being inappropriate here. So, she allows Lily to chime in with a legitimate topic, a legitimate concern. Lily says, you know, Victoria, the fact that you denied my pre-approved vacation day and made me come to this meeting kind of sends the message that my time is not as valuable as yours. What do you say to that? Well, this is where Victoria really loses it. She really gets ugly. I was really disappointed with her in her response to Lily, reprimanding Lily in front of everyone. I mean, I don't think what Lily said was all that inappropriate for the tone of the meeting that Victoria was trying to conduct. And yet Victoria took the opportunity to retaliate by specifically criticizing Lily's work performance, saying that she's really turning in subpar reports and she needs to be part of some kind of BS training program to get her back on track. Like all of the gross corporate doubles speak that was coming out of Victoria's mouth practically gave me hives. I'm going to get you back on track. Gross. Um, Lily ends up leaving the meeting. She just walks out, says, I'm out of here. She's been now reprimanded by her boss and humiliated in front of the other employees. So she goes home 
takes a minute to think, to talk to Kane, and comes back to the office and hands Victoria her letter of resignation. And I really can't blame Lily for that. And not just because of Victoria either. Ashley was putting Lily in the middle. There was a conversation between them earlier in the week where Ashley had a lunch meeting with Lily and was kind of trying to get Lily to talk to JT and pry a little bit of information out of him. I mean, it's really inappropriate for Ashley to ask Lily to do that, to put her in the middle. I mean, like I, I was totally for Lily quitting, and because it's been an, it's been uncomfortable for her to be in the middle of a tug of war, and both Ashley and Victoria were guilty of putting her there. So Ashley, or, um, Lily goes home, and she decides to be unemployed for like twelve hours. <laughs> She's like, I can't rest on my laurels very long at all. She calls Barry, the modeling agent, and he's able to book her a gig that would take her out of town, take her away from her family. And just as she's trying to prep to go on this trip, it just dawns on her that this isn't really what she wants. Why continue to do this dance where I'm I'm grooving to somebody else's beat. Why don't I groove to my own beat? <laughs> so she goes um, to Devon for advice and she tosses out the idea of starting her own modeling company. I love this. I could not even be more ecstatic about this. Frankly, This is exactly what Ashley should have done when she left Chabot. Ashley should have never gone to Newman Enterprises. She should have started her own business. So I was really happy to at least see somebody follow through with that. She's talking to Devon about getting business loans for this whole idea. And Devon says, what are you talking about? This is a great idea. I can get in on this. I can offer you funding, bring you in under the Hamilton Winters umbrella, and voila, success. I love everything about this. Absolutely everything about this. I think that Lily having her own local modeling agency not only gives her some power over her own life, puts her in the forefront, but it also gives lots of opportunities to bring on actors and actresses for short modeling stints. Like we could actually see some people modeling our gorgeous Genoa City homegrown cosmetics and fashion designs. It's just so right. (laughs) It's so right on every single level. It's also going to be really, really good for Lillian Kane's relationship. She goes home to tell him the good news. And Kane is trying to be really supportive, still thinking that Lily's going to become a model again. And he's got this like a flow chart <laughs> showing her how everything is going to work at the house while she's gone. No need to worry. I've got this flow chart of, of how groceries are going to come in and the babysitting is going to come in and everybody's going to be OK. He's showing his support for her. And she just turns around and deletes that flow chart, just deletes it right off his computer and gives him the good news. She's going to stay in town. She's going to follow her dream, actually pursue a dream project. Oh, I just I was so happy for them. Well, except for all of the hard work that Kane put into his flow chart. (laughs) Kane, I will get into your flow chart any day.
in this world, you've got to learn to ask for what you want or you're never going to get it. So I have to give some props to Hillary for just asking for what she wants, getting right down to the point, saying, Devon, I want you to father my child. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I think that blew him back to another state. That, that has got to be. One heck of an ego boost for a guy. Let's be real. Like, I think you're so... You've got it all, Devon. You've got looks. You've got brains. You're just everything. And I want you to father my child. <laughs> oh, I mean, you would think that he would have been at least a little bit flattered by that. She even says, look, I'm not asking you to sleep with me. I'm not asking you to raise this child with me. Just be the sperm donor. I'll even pay you for it. <laughs> Uh, but I, the Devon doesn't exactly operate that way. I mean, I think probably a lot of men would have seen it as an ego boost, but Devon was actually offended by it. He says, if, if you think that I'm just going to kind of basically knock you up and then walk away and forget about you and my child, then I'm not sure you really know me at all. I mean, good point, fair point. But then, true to form, <laughs> he turns around within, I think, the next episode and is defending Hillary to Kane saying, well, I know that she, you know, I know she totally did that whole thing with Juliet that I'm the one who informed you of that. But, you know, you got to give her at least a little bit of credit because she's doing all this good work with this Shauna girl and she's really trying to improve her life and improve someone else. And uh, he's clearly very impressed with this mentoring path that Hillary has chosen. In fact, he runs into Hillary at the coffee house with Shauna, the mentee, and um, she's trying to give her a little bit of a pep talk about college and about her career and about future, and Hillary is saying all the right things. Shauna is just eating it up along with that soup and sandwich, and Devon is listening to the whole thing. He asks if he can sit down and talk to them, and he's immediately touched by the tone of the conversation, uh, by this girl's drive, and by wanting to help someone. Devon's practically ready to write a check for Shauna's college. Um, Hillary suggests that maybe what they need to do is have, like, take this girl under their wing together. Have another lunch with Shauna. Let's you and me, Devon and Hillary, let's, let's see if we can guide this girl down the right path, kind of like they're raising a child before eventually raising a child. And of course, Shauna has no problem playing the little Cupid. She makes a little comment about how the, they should get back together. You know, you guys should just get back together. Mm -hmm. I kind of wish they would just get back together. I kind of wish Devon and Hillary would at least get it on. Make a baby, don't make a baby. Just stop torturing yourself. Stop torturing me. Yeah, I think the sperm donor thing is gone. Um, I think Hillary is not going to end up pursuing that. Devon's not going to actually agree to it. I'm glad that Phyllis was able to talk a little bit of sense into Hillary about that. Honestly, who would have thought that Phyllis would be the stable, secure, smart one in a friendship ever? Uh, Phyllis con you know, said to her, girl, you don't 
just want Devon's baby. You want Devon. And even if he did give you his sperm, I mean, that would just feel more cold and more empty than if you had a stranger donate the sperm. I mean, I mean, I don't know. I mean, Hillary, could you really handle knowing that you have this child with the man that you love, but you don't have the man that you love and you're just pretending that he's not a factor at all, that would never work out. So this is just the path back to Hillary and Devon. I almost kind of wish it would be expedited a little bit. I think we're going to use Shauna, though, as the main vehicle to get these guys back together. On Friday, we found find out that Shauna, our diamond in the rough, is talking the talk, but she's not exactly walking the walk. She's been saying all about how she's ready for her college SATs and she wants to have a career and then she ditches a a tour, like a Hamilton Winters tour that Devon offered to give her, showing her the office space and a little bit about the business and and Shauna just doesn't show up. So Hillary calls Shauna's school and finds out that she hasn't even been to school in a week. She can't the SAT that she had scheduled. How very nice of her, though. At least she was responsible enough to cancel the SAT that she she was not going to take. But the presumption then is that Shauna was scamming them the entire time. Hillary's not really picking up on that, though. She's not willing to accept that. And I did like Hillary defending Shauna, and she even says something to Devon to the effect of, well, what, you think that you find out she's not perfect, so you just abandon her? Or, you know, it was something to that effect. And it was uh, it was a little bit of a projection, I think. Uh, Hillary doesn't want to give up on Shauna because she doesn't want people to give up on her. And I'm sure that there's going to be some kind of perfectly reasonable explanation for where Shauna is. Maybe she's just off somewhere making out with Charlie. We sure talked a lot about Maddie and Charlie's education this week, and even Shauna's education. I wonder if Reed's taken the SAT test. It's so, I guess, disappointing that the whole Maddie and Reed story just disappeared. That was kind of our romance for the summer, leading into the fall, and by the winter it was just gone. We haven't heard anything about Maddie and Reed, or even Reed's punishment, or nothing for um, uh, probably a good solid month now. Um, it was a, it was sweet seeing Maddie and Reed together at front and center, and then all of a sudden, poof, <laughs> they're gone. I'm guessing, though, that it's it's making room for Charlie to have his first romance. Very excited about that. We chatters had been saying we were looking forward to seeing more from Charlie, and I think it would be cute to see him get a little girlfriend. When he bumped into Shauna, it was sparks for both of them. They were both very much interested in each other immediately. I thought at first, though that Shauna was going to end up being 
a positive influence on uh, on Charlie. Maybe it's going to end up being the opposite because at the beginning of the week, Charlie tells Kane that he doesn't want to go to college. He wants to just get a jump start on his career. He wants to spend time at Hamilton Winters with Devon and get started right away on a career in the music business. He knows what he wants to do. And I have to say... I mean, not everybody has to go to college. There's nothing wrong with getting out into the world, getting yourself a jobby job. I totally support that. I mean, I'm pretty sure that Victor didn't go to college. I, I kind of like a ragtag underdog sort of story like that. I think Bill, Bill Gates didn't go to college. There are plenty of success stories of people who didn't go. Um, the concern, though, I'm sure by the parents and by me, is that Charlie just sees how awesome Uncle Devon's life is. Like, he's rich, and he's powerful, and he's cool, and he's doing exactly the type of career that he wants to. But Charlie needs to know that he can't just float into a spot like that. It's easy to forget that it took a lot of years, a lot of time, a lot of heartache for Devon to get there. I mean, Devon was lifting wallets and living in a group home, you know, for 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 a long time. Devon was, uh, you know, Devon was Shauna in some ways. So, um, and I mean, especially dealing with addiction within the family. So, I mean, we're, Charlie is looking at Devon as he's become a fully fleshed out man in his career and his life. And, and I hope that Charlie doesn't think that it just happens like that. I do, though, support whatever decision Charlie wants to make with his life. I think the milestone of turning 18 means being able to make your own decisions or mistakes. You know, that's that you got to let them do their thing and make make some mistakes. I just I just kind of hope that next week isn't everybody being all preachy on Charlie about college. Like if he doesn't go to college, that he's going to end up working at that hot dog cart downtown. We had a surprisingly, to me anyway, split vote on our poll question for last week. I asked you guys, is it a good idea for Nick to move right on in with Sharon? The majority of people, 56% of you said no. (laughs) Nick needs to find another place to stay. But 44% of you think it's a good idea for Nick to be there, getting some support from Sharon. That's a closer vote than I expected. I vote. That he should not. I voted that Nick needs to find some place else uh, to stay. I I just worry that it's not an ideal situation for Nick and for Christian. I completely agree that being around family, especially right now, is a great place uh, to to heal. That's a great way to feel surrounded by your loved ones and to begin to heal from what you've been through. But it's not like Nick is destitute. It's not like he can't afford his own place. And getting Christian used to to another motherly figure, especially Sharon, uh, could be really confusing for the child. I mean, the the Christian was probably too young to remember when he was Sully, but Nick needs to be very, very careful about introducing women to his son. You wouldn't 
want to send that mixed message. So I, I'm not sure that this is the ideal situation for Nick, and I'm not sure it's the ideal situation for Sharon either. Sharon is already acting a little bit like Nick's creepy, jealous wife. And it's subtle right now, though. Right now, it's it's little things like trying too hard to create perfect family moments and telling Faith to send Phyllis's phone call to voicemail and um, brewing up an olive branch for tea with Nikki. I mean, all of these things are kind of adding up to a bit of a, a red flag for me. It's li- It's like Sharon is positioning herself to be the one person who's not pressuring Nick. Like everybody else in Nick's life is trying to tell him what to do. And Sharon is saying, no, no, no. You do what you want to do. And I think it's smart like a fox. She, she, you know, it's, it's, it's subtle. It's unpressuring. Uh, you know, it's unquestioning. Telling Nick, I'm not questioning your decisions. You know what you're doing. She knows how to work her man. Okay, Sharon knows Nick probably better than anyone else on the planet. I think Sharon knows exactly what she's doing. My concern is that I don't ever want to stop seeing the smart, strong, healthy Sharon that I've become accustomed to. I do not want to return to off her meds Sharon. And I honestly, I don't really want to return to a Nick Sharon Phyllis triangle either. Billy made a point to let Nick know that he is aware of the situation with Christian's paternity. And at first I was a little annoyed by that. I thought, why? Why is Billy butting into this? It, it just, it, it, I just thought, this is just leave Nick be. There's no need to let him know that you know. But then Billy did sit down and have a long, thoughtful conversation with Nick, and he connected it back to to his own feelings of losing a child in Delia. How that, you know, what happened with Nick losing his son, thinking his son was dead, and then getting his son back, that would have been a dream come true in Billy's world. How many nights has he lied alone in bed thinking and imagining and dreaming that his child would come back to him? And, and, and then I thought about the paternity. Well, you know, Billy didn't ask for this whole information bomb to be dropped in his lap by Phyllis. Phyllis is the one who brought it to him, even though he made it clear that he didn't want it. And then I started viewing that conversation between the two guys as more Billy trying to make something horrible that happened to Nick, that Phyllis was a part of, a little bit better. And then I thought it was it was kind of sweet. But it did also set up, this is what worries me, some discord between Billy and Phyllis. Um, It was a a little bit surprising. I don't know, I thought. Billy had warned Phyllis to stay out of the whole Chelsea drama. And and even after Chelsea was gone and all of that was over, Phyllis was still getting aggressively involved in Nick's life. Like, 
talking to him about living with Sharon and then calling Victoria, calling his sister to have her come by and reinforce, reinforce that whole line of logic that he's making a bad decision with his life by moving in with Sharon. And Billy had a frank conversation with Phyllis to say, you lit the match that set Nick's world on fire. Maybe now it's time for you to back up <laughs> and just let him sort it out from here. I'd say that was incredibly rational of Billy because I was rooting for Phyllis to, you know, go ahead, get this paternity secret out. It needed to happen. But as this week developed, it was a little bit much to see Phyllis constantly pressuring Nick. I think Billy was right. But the problem is when Billy brought this to Phyllis's attention, I think that. That all Phyllis heard was, uh-oh, Billy's mad at me. He thinks I did something wrong. And what happens next time when I do something that he doesn't like? I think I thought that Billy was with me because he loved my passion. He loved these crazy things that I do. And with a, with a woman like Phyllis, similar to uh, being with a woman like Hillary, you don't just get the cake and leave the flower. Like the the crazy, the sexy, the impulsive, all of that. They're a package. You take it all. But Phyllis don't want to lose her man. She decides to pull back because she wants to keep her relationship with Billy. She says, all right, I'm going to back off Nick. I'm going to try to stay out of it all. We'll see how long that lasts. And Billy also says, hey, I'm trying to live my best life too. Uh, I'm going to try to pull myself back from my own wily instincts. I just wonder what's going on with Billy's character. He seems to be evolving. He seems to be changing. And it kind of makes me wonder if Billy especially folding in that conversation with Nick, makes me wonder if Billy is starting to think about having a family. Maybe Billy is starting to wish that he could settle down. And then thinking back to Phyllis and Billy having that conversation about having kids a couple weeks ago, and then the whole Valentine's Day um, marriage proposal freak out that they had, I just think Billy might be wanting to settle down. Um, and if that's the case, does Phyllis return that? Do, I mean, if that's the case, do these two people really want to settle down together? Because we're on the you know on the one side, we are seeing Billy wanting to give Victoria as much of the benefit of the doubt as possible when it comes to her involvement in framing Ashley for the corporate espionage. We've seen him defend her. I mean, I think he might continue to do that, or at least continue to try to encourage other people to see Victoria's perspective and the whole storm that's getting ready to come her way. Um, but Phyllis then on the other side is also going to face some challenges um, like, you know, wanting to maintain this friendship that she has with Nick, wanting to support Nick, uh, but also wanting to stop him from doing something that she thinks is a mistake. Um, so it's, it's going to be a tough balancing act for both of them individually, uh, as well as them as a couple. They both have agreed to keep things mellow 
for now. But I tell you what, the other conversation that is worrying me a little bit for Billy and Phyllis's future is Phyllis going to Hillary to talk about the little bit of the argument that she and Billy had. Um, she's talking to Hillary, explaining what happened, and Hillary's probably thinking about Devon and a little thought bubble with hearts above her head. But Hillary, leave it to her to actually ask Phyllis the question that I'm sure we all were thinking. Do you want Nick? I mean, of course, Phyllis says no, but it feels <laughs> like enough of a breadcrumb to me that tells me where the trail is leading. Eh, some dough's better than no dough. <laughs> That was our quote from last week. Uh, practically everybody guessed that that was indeed Anita, Chelsea's mom. She was having that conversation with Nick and he offers her Chelsea's engagement ring that she can sell off uh, instead of getting the full amount that she demanded. Uh, so some dough's better than no dough. Um, <laughs> practically everybody guessed that correctly. So I'm going to take a deep breath here and give shout outs to all of the winners who are Jamie, Joanne, Nancy, Ellen, Sandra, Lynn, Tina Cole, Henry, Anna, Liz, Irene, Ambreen, Kara, Coral, Heather, Consuela, Laura, Justin and Diana. <laughs> Congratulations, you guys. Here's a new one for the week. I don't know why this, it was a funny moment to me, but uh, we'll see if you could remember who said this. I didn't come here for the sea bass. <laughs> I don't know what it was. I don't know what it was, but something about the moment made me laugh. I didn't come here for the sea bass. If you think you know who said it, Go to yrchat.com and leave your guess. I don't know if that one's going to be quite as easy as the previous week's quote, but if you do get it right, then you will get your shout out next week on our chat. I was very pleased to see so many comments on our poll question from from last week. Is it a good idea for Nick to move in with Sharon? Anna left a comment saying, I'm in the minority that said yes, thinking it's a good idea for them. Uh, Anna says, I think that given the set of circumstances, they're not moving too quickly as they have such a long, rich history. With that being said, I am happy that they're moving in just as friends and I would like to see the romance progress instead of um, in the cottage one day as friends and the next day as lovers. Um, that's been happening too much lately and I would like the romance to build a little bit. P.S. This is my first comment on the website. Did I do it right? <laughs> yes, you did. This is confirmation that that, one, that it came through and I do like that comment because I mean, I guess I would prefer them not to be living under the same roof, but I do share your, uh, your hope that at least Wayner takes some time to build the romance. Hillary and Devon taking way too long. Where and then we've got um, Nick and Sharon. I just hope they don't rush it. Timing is everything when it comes to wanting the audience to want a couple. 
Oh, speaking, uh, let's see, here we got, oh, 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 Leslie also wanted to comment, uh, speaking of Nick and Sharon, saying, no, I don't want them to move in together because I think it'll take away from the reunion that I want. And I'm fearful that this is a signal that it will not be real and will have to endure him breaking her heart for Phyllis again. If that happens, I hope Adam swoops in and takes Christian to raise with Sharon. Oh, boy, I share um, your fear there about <laughs> Nick and Phyllis and Sharon Leslie. I mean, I, that it's a good point that it could be a bad sign that this is them moving in together could be a sign that they're doomed. But it's I'm glad I'm not the only one who is picking up on the vibe that we're headed back to a Nick, Sharon, Phyllis triangle. And I'm going to hope that that's not the case. <laughs> Coral says the writers could have have some fun with Nick and Sharon, having them both want platonic house sharing, but being caught up in some compromising situations. I think that would be a really good tone, Coral. I think that's probably possibly what YNR is going to do. Like maybe some, you know, like, shoot, Nick needs his shirt and it's coming downstairs shirtless and Sharon's folding laundry and then, you know, she's drooling a little bit at looking at him shirtless. I mean, I, I could see them doing some comedy with it for sure. Oh, here's this name. I hope I get it right. Clex Anvers X. Hope I got that. Says, I love Sharon. I do. And I agree that Nick deserved to know the truth, but Phyllis was right on how Sharon would be. I mean, she told him about Christian's paternity, and now she's just there all the time. I'm worried, too, about Sharon. She is definitely... I'm with you on that. She is definitely there. (laughs) Ellen says, Why does Nikki think it's appropriate to constantly interfere in her 40-plus-year-old son's life. She criticizes Victor for the same behavior. Pot, meat kettle, yes. (laughs) Yes, very true. Oh, let's switch over to uh, Dina here. Consuela had an interesting little theory saying, was Scott the nice man in London who helped Dina? I never would have thought of that. She said, nice man in London helped find me and take me somewhere. Don't you think that would make perfect sense? That had to have been something, that a seed that YNR planted. And I just didn't pick up on it, but you did. Gosh, that's so good. I don't think we're going to see Scott anytime soon, but that could very well have been. Let's imagine that's the case. Anyway, Scott finds Dina on a park bench. <laughs> oh, Liz. This is a good point about uh, the show. Liz says, I can't stand the lack of continuity in the scenes right now. Ashley aggressively confronts Jack about setting her up. And then the next time we see Jack, he's having lunch at the athletic club. Abby confronts Victoria at her office. And then all of a sudden, Abby's back at the Abbott mansion. I keep saying to myself, did I miss something? I noticed that too, Liz, and I I was waiting for Jack and Ashley to really go at it, and then all of a sudden, boom, the next scene cuts, and Jack's just like chilling out at the AC, having some lunch. Yeah, it it was a little off-putting. I don't like that feeling of, did I miss something? That's definitely a mal thing. We've we've definitely gotten that way more under the current writing team. Oh, 
A lot of people had comments about Victoria and JT this week, and they're all good. Connor uh, says he was not happy with Jack. Connor was also not happy with Victoria. The whole plan of theirs is backfiring, but I like especially this point from Connor. How is JT going to react when he finds out what Victoria did? Because uh, JT is a powder keg waiting to explode, and I think that probably is what's going to happen. We're going to see JT explode. Not only that Victoria would do this, but that Victoria wouldn't tell him, and that Victoria used him as a tool to do it. He's going to be so ticked. Um, Superplex says, okay, after that scene of JT getting so angry this week, I'm convinced that the pills JT are taking is to, are to control his temper. Now, I'm glad that you picked up on that scene with JT, because I don't exactly know what to make of that. We saw... Uh, JT and Victoria in her office having a conversation. Victor Victor comes in and kind of kicks JT out, says, I want to have a conversation alone with my daughter. You don't need to be here. Just leave. And Victoria agrees, kind of probably choosing Victor over JT in JT's eyes. He rushes off to the break room and we just see him standing there like, <gasps> like furious. He was ready to explode. What is up with that? And I, I, I that's, that's actually, I think the second person that somebody else said that maybe those pills we saw were were some kind of something to help JT control his mood swings or his anger issues or whatever. I also like this comment from Zuperplex who shared my interpretation that Victor is on to Victoria and JT. Zuperplex says, Victor's spying on JT because he's perceptive enough to realize that Christine and Paul were insufficiently gullible to fall for the excuse JT offered, explaining that the embezzled funds were the result of a bank error. He knew that sooner or later, Christine and Paul would put the squeeze on JT and force him to be their stool pigeon. I agree. I really agree. I think that's the twist that we're going to see next week, that Victor's hip to everything that's going on. Sandra says, perhaps JT's undercover role in Genoa City is bringing out the worst in him, and the only way he can justify using Victoria is to keep her at a distance emotionally. I thought this was such a really thoughtful comment, Sandra, that really helps to put some kind of an explanation behind what JT is doing and saying right now, that maybe he is trying to keep her at a distance so that he can complete the job. Maybe he does really have feelings for her. I don't know. Gary left a good comment uh, noting that some of JT's thoughts about Victoria are actually insightful and that it would be good advice if they were coming from someone else with a different objective. But Gary asks, why is Victoria so susceptible to him? Why is she setting herself up to be an abused girlfriend? And how is this happening to her? What is it about JT? And it does seem, Gary, that JT exerts like a mysterious level of control over Victoria that I don't really understand. Victoria never would have accepted the behavior that she's accepting from JT from Billy or from Trader Joe Travis with his little lemons. It doesn't feel like Victoria. She, I can only imagine, just feels so desperate for someone to love her that she's compromising on her better judgment. 
Laura wanted to weigh in about Ashley, saying, Ashley's freaking me out. Before Dina spilled the beans and Jack's haywire use of the Jabot bloodline clause, she was sweet and supportive with an interesting edge of mommy issues. Now she's hard and aggressive and fierce. If I worked at Newman Enterprises, I'd do everything I could do to stay on her good side. I thought she was going to smear that chocolate donut on Victoria's face in the break room. I know, Laura, I was waiting for something to happen with that donut, too. <laughs> I was, as soon as Ashley picked up the donut, I was like, uh-oh, uh-oh. But then she just ripped off a piece and ate it. <laughs> uh, Eileen Davidson's probably going to have to work out for an extra 10 minutes after eating that donut. <laughs> One bite of that donut. She's going to have to be in the gym for an extra 10. Oh, Diana says, I loved the meeting in Victoria's office. I'm glad that Ashley brought up how Abby was mistreated. As annoying as Abby is, that's karma to Victoria. Yeah, that is true. And and it's good timing, of course, for Abby coming back. We need to remember that we saw Victoria being a horrible boss and sister to Abby. So it is appropriate that Abby is the one who is helping to bust out Victoria. And it was good drama in that, in that whole confrontation in the office. Diana also says, I loved... Hillary's white dress this week. Had to mention that because, oh Lord, she's having lunch with Shauna and uh, she's wearing this white dress with this beautiful, like, rougher, ruffled shoulder. It was gorgeous. But she was eating this bowl of soup and I'm like, oh my gosh, girl, a soup and a white dress? <laughs> Please be careful because soup, you know, it splatters. You know, you get a lot on your soup and then all of a sudden one little thing's on your beautiful white dress. I mean, I was nervous for her, but she pulled it off. (laughs) Well done. Oh, Daisy has a really good kind of alternative perspective that I I didn't consider here. I really like this and I wonder if any of you uh, will connect with Daisy's point of view here. Daisy says, Lily should be ashamed of herself for treating Victoria the way she did, especially after Victoria kept her working, considering what Kane did to Victoria's business. Then, Kane showing up at Victoria's office belittling her was horrible. He's the reason her business ran out of money, and to top it off, Kane spoke on Lily's behalf as if she were a child, but Lily... It's a grown woman and should have spoken up for herself, especially to the woman who helped she and her family get out of debt and survive a crisis that Kane, her husband, caused. Wow. Really, really, really good. I never would have thought about that. But you are right, Daisy, that Kane does owe at least some, you know, some culpability to Victoria. I mean, we all, we all saw that Victoria mismanaged things after uh, Juliet left the company. But, but honestly, it was also Billy's fault. But I mean, the whole lawsuit with Juliet was because of Kane. I mean, he did sleep with her. That did not happen. So that's totally legitimate point uh, that I wouldn't have thought of. And that's why I like getting your comments because like you're watching things in a way that I'm not watching. And I'm the, I think the reason why in our chat is good uh, is because I can bring in all of these perspectives from so many different people. 
Um, here's a little bit of fun from Jamie and Isabel. Uh, first of all, Jamie wanted to say hell yeah for Lily quitting toxic enterprises. Jamie was feeling that, but I loved uh, Jamie and Isabel saying we, we have some spring fashion must-haves. We had Abby in her pink cape and Lily in her fabulous pajamas. <laughs> yes, I know there was some good stuff this week. Uh, good. I, I, lo- I really have been loving the way Victoria has been styled too. I she I, I like a, a, a tie in the front of a top. Like I like a long tie and Victoria's had a couple of those lately. Just some beautiful blouses. Ashley always looks good. We just, even in pajamas, these people look great. And I mean, and Melissa Ordway looked really gorgeous after having coming back from maternity leave. She's glowing. Her hair is perfect. She looks pretty in pink. It was just, it was excellent. Tina Cole says she's so excited for Charlie to have a love interest. Been waiting for this for a long time. I know. I hope that is develops next week so that we can get kind of a uh, a sense of what like what who who really is Charlie. I want to see more of him, and I think having a little romance, or even if it's not a romance, even if it's just a friendship, is going to be something interesting to sink our teeth into for his character. Um, I wanted to end. Also, I just checked um, and saw that I had a new iTunes review that I thought was just really sweet from Ms. Drama 33 uh, leaves an, a, a review of the podcast saying, I really love listening to Allie's podcast about YNR. She's funny and honest and often thinks what I'm thinking about the show. I enjoy listening because it's as if you're you're with a good friend sharing your favorite parts of the show. I, I really, really appreciate that comment, Ms. Drama, because that is exactly the vibe that I have been trying to accomplish with YNR Chat. I like and have always wanted friends to talk to the show, you know, talk about the show with. So I'm so glad that that's coming through um, and that you are enjoying the podcast and the videos and everything. And thank you so much for the review on iTunes. Those are always appreciated, as are all of your comments. It's March. (laughs) Are you mad? If you're not already mad, you're going to be mad in about a second. Because Marianne sent me a little notice uh, to let me know, to remind me, because you know I wouldn't have known otherwise, that new episodes of The Bold and the Beautiful and The Young and the Restless will not be seen on Thursday, March 15th and Friday, March 16th. So we have a three episode week coming up next week um this uh, this article also just for the other soap fans uh says that days of our lives will air at its normal time as will general hospital um and we're not gonna miss any storylines though because the normal episodes are gonna resume on monday march 19th so we're just gonna have to sink our teeth into our three episodes enjoy them while we can um i i i'm i don't even know what what should we all do with our additional two hours of time next week and may I suggest that we all bake a peach pie for Nick and send them to him I mean it's like it's almost as if someone had died and it's awake and everybody's trying to take care of Nick I think we as fans should take a baking we know that peach pie is what Nick loves we'll just we'll just do that and we'll ship him off to to CBS (laughs) oh well 
I love you guys, and I really do appreciate all of your comments and, and your participation. And I would love to continue to hear from you if you want to go to yrchat.com or call the voicemail 309 588 4569. The more comments that you leave me next week, the more we'll have to dig into to make up for the fact that we're going to be missing two episodes. So I'll be looking forward to reading those and uh, coming back next week to chat about our show. Okay, I will see you guys next time. Bye!